Welcome to the Rockman Podcast, the podcast brought to you by Rockman, the running and fitness challenge brand for those with a deep desire to test and further their limits and live a healthier life with fortitude. At Rockman, we provide the challenges, sportswear, content and community to motivate you to push your body, strengthen your mind and achieve your next level of health, fitness and mental resilience. You can sign up and become a member of the team at rockman.co.uk. If you'd like to be notified about new podcast releases, then be sure to hit the subscribe button below. And if you take any value from this podcast, please be sure to give us the thumbs up, leave us a review or share it via your socials. So in order for us to know which episodes are good, which are bad, we would really appreciate some feedback or engagement. Now, without further ado, I'm Terry Rosman, Rockman founder, and I hope you enjoy. Right, recording in progress. Claire Smith, welcome to the Rockman podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Very well. What have you been up to tonight? I know we just had a little brief, brief discussion, but uh, be interested yeah. for the listeners, I think. I've <laughs> been on, uh, yeah, at a committee meeting discussing a, a new little race that I'm just setting up, but it's not like a brutal race. It's just a little uh, little 10K just to raise some money for a, a local charity. So, yeah. Yeah, because you recently moved. You I've just moved. Well, I moved about a year or so ago to Portland, which is a, a very random little piece of rock. <laughs> in the sea which is just awesome I love it I'm absolutely I think I thought the other day I thought you know what? I'm never gonna leave and I don't, <laughs> I don't know that's, I've never lived anywhere before where I've thought that before I just really love it here it just it ticks all the boxes I'm surrounded by the sea you can go running anywhere you know it's just it's absolutely perfect the people are a bit weird which suits me <laughs> <laughs> I'm well happy <laughs> It sounds like you're living the dream. It's something I've always wanted to do. I've want, um, wanted to just go away. You've got, you're on your own island. You're on your own little island, like, yeah. and, you know, right next to the sea, as you say, yeah. and you've got the trails and stuff. It sounds like you're living the dream. So, um. <laughs> yeah. cracking. So, I mean, we've got you on the Rock, Rockman podcast today because uh, I've always known about the Brutal Events. So, mm-hmm. for people that don't know, you're the, the founder and director of Brutal Events. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I started, uh, I was actually looking at one of your events, um, but we'll come on to that later. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> But I, I came across yourself, the founder, and I looked at your backstory and I thought it was absolutely fascinating and it really resonates with what we're doing here at Rockman. So let, I'll give you a, this, I mean, this, I'm going to do a disservice, but this is a quick breakdown of sort of what you, who you are and what you do. So uh, first and foremost, you're a, a, is that right? You're a graphic designer, mm-hmm. mother of two, mm-hmm. but you are not only that, you're the first British athlete to do the double decker Ironman in 28 yeah. days. So for also people that don't know, a single decker of Ironman is 10 Ironmans. <laughs> so <laughs> this is 20 Ironmans uh, all put together. Yeah. Um, as I've mentioned, you're the founder and director of Brutal Events, which do some of the most intense, um, what would you say, uh, triathlons, right? Yeah, extreme, extreme triathlons yeah, yeah. in the country. Yeah. Uh, you have a joggle FKT, fastest yeah. known time for John yeah. Brutal Land's End. Mm-hmm. You're also an author. Mm-hmm. Um and this is all coming from nothing. You apparently you actually you hated sports, right? You, you were never good at it. I'm sure I did, I've done it at this service. But w- would you mind explaining to listeners sort of like uh, who you are and, the, and what you do? So yeah, I mean, I was basically hated sport at school and did everything that I could to avoid it. I have asthma, so I use that card a lot, and it worked pretty well. Managed to avoid sport for, for most of my my like you know childhood. Did a little bit of. Um, rowing um, when I was a teenager which I did quite enjoy but not you know not enough of that Um, and then started running when my daughter was born and I was uh, 20 then so that's sort of what got me into to running I was a graphic designer then as well so I was kind of normal-ish around that point in my life Um, and then it was sort of later on when I got into like marathons and and then Ironman accidentally um, which then kind of changed everything and then I went all a little bit bit crazy <laughs> you fell in love with it I bet is that what... well that's a kind of funny one actually because triathlon it's not it's not been like a how can I say this because I run a company that runs triathlons it's I've always <laughs> struggled with it because there's a lot you know the running I'm pretty happy with but I couldn't swim like so when I basically first um came across Ironman I thought it was like a tough mudder 
I've told this story so many times. But Is this why it was an accident? You, it was you've an signed accident. up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I heard a guy at my running club who was a really good runner, and I never saw him normally, but he was at the clubhouse and he was saying, Oh, I was chatting to his mate saying it's the hardest thing. I'm training for this Ironman, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. And I was like, whatever that is, that's what I'm doing next. And then it was that I literally found out that it was a triathlon and I was gutted. And then I then I realized it wasn't just a normal triathlon, it was a bloody took your day triathlon. So then I was like, but I was committed. And I tend to be one of these people that once I see something, it's like, and if I don't think I can do it, then it's like, okay, well, I've got to do it. So that's what happened. And then I spent the next three months trying to learn how to swim and and ride a bike and buy a bike and, and all that sort of stuff to kind of get to a point where I could at least do a half, which is what I did first. Obviously, like the Wimbledon one in Exmoor, which was just ridiculously hard as well. <laughs> yeah, but a half shouldn't be sniffed at either. Like, that, that's pretty huge. <laughs> yeah, I know, your first one. <laughs> So, well, yeah, it, I did the half, and then it, I, the double was the next year, and that was particularly challenging <laughs> as well. So. Yeah, but at the um, it, it's like that saying, isn't it? You've got to be naive enough to start, yeah, and then too stubborn to stop. Yeah, and actually, it's nice to have that naivety sometimes. Sometimes you know too much, and it freaks you out. So if you don't know what you're doing, it's quite, you know, it's it's kind of nice. But <laughs> so, did you just say that the Decker came one year after you did your first one? No, that no, I so right. I did the half iron and then I did the full and then I did a double Ironman the year after that and that's when it it went a bit nuts after that and I started doing multiple you know triples and quins and then the deco and yeah yes yeah that's nuts it, it, it it's um it's a dangerous path that you can take it once you once you get into uh, once you get into the endurance uh challenges. yeah there are some yeah. people that I know that they're, they're kind of like they just do Ironman or maybe they've done a double and they do the double and the brutal one as well as you know it's very challenging and that's it for them and that, I think oh good good for you yeah. <laughs> there's other people that have got a look in their eye and I think oh dear you're in for a world of pain because <laughs> where does it stop you know <laughs> it doesn't stop um we, we were having a conversation on, on the podcast recently uh, just a quick point uh dr colin robinson i always go on about this podcast that we've done it's a cracking one if you ever got a chance to uh, listen to it have a little listen but he, he calls it arrival syndrome where you get to the end and then it's like now what yeah and he says that it's not that you'll 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 take it you'll keep taking it bigger and bigger and bigger until you can't yeah and then it will be a change so you know the the runner will become a triathlete yeah or yeah, a tri yeah. and and uh it and it never stops and it no nor the north should it nor should it no no exactly can you take me back then claire i want talk to me about your background a bit and sort of can, can you pinpoint anything maybe from your upbringing or your past experiences that has made you the way you are today the, the, this go-getter that that goes after anything that she puts her mind to um I think my childhood wasn't super happy you know they, my parents did the best they could but and I think I was a bit of a handful as well I was always sort of out to kind of push myself um I think growing up I got into sort of drugs and alcohol um just as because I think that was all I knew you know that was a way to be extreme I didn't know any other ways it would have been helpful I think at that point if somebody got me into sport um the school I went to wasn't particularly good so there was no real support for people like me that struggled academically was artistic and also had this kind of mental kind of crazy streak that I just didn't know what to do with so I did kind of you know I, I was taking stuff and you know drinking and things like that and and then I I sort of when I left school fell into a sort of a pattern of abusive relationships quite early on as well and so I think I just got into quite a, quite a dark place and I was drinking a lot at that point and just just being quite destructive um and then obviously I became a mum and, and a kind of like obviously I was being a bit more responsible but I was still struggling with depression and and you know using alcohol as sort of you know as my support system so I think when running kind of came onto the scene I was like I was able to recognize that running gave me the sort of a similar feeling of well-being that I have got from the alcohol but without all the side effects that went with the alcohol so I wish I could say I stopped drinking at that point, but I didn't stop drinking for quite a long time after that, unfortunately, but I was able to sort of successfully for a while run the two alongside each other, if you like. And it wasn't until later that I was then able to kind of stop drinking completely and focus on destructive triathlons instead. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know it was a problem at the time or was it something you were like in denial about? Is that why, you know, you, you kept running 
running no, around I them alongside each other. Knew. There was a point when I was 19 that I was living in a, in a flat in a really horrible place, actually, um, and looking out the window. And I think I had this moment and I knew that I had a problem with alcohol at 19, and which is sad, really, because I didn't give up for a long, long time until sort of like my mid, late 30s. So, yeah, it took... But I'm very determined. <laughs> so yeah. I think a lot of people are like that. If they, you know, I'm going to try and keep this really unhealthy part of my life. I quite like it. So I'm going to try and keep it going for as long as possible. Um, so yeah. I kind of had this double life for quite a long time, even when it got quite bad and it was really destructive. And I knew I had to give it up, but I was struggling. I still managed to hide it really well. A lot of people came afterwards and was like, didn't realise you had a problem with alcohol. And it's like, yeah <laughs> really you hit it i mean what, what, what was the sort of how, how did this affect um your health your well-being or, or your relationships and your family well, what, yeah, what was not, all the effects of it? not ideal obviously but um i mean obviously bringing up two kids i was a, a terrible mother or anything like that you know my kids never said anything you know i did try and keep it under wraps but towards the end it was certainly becoming more obvious and then i also had problems with sort of social anxiety at that point because i was getting myself in a, in a place where i didn't want to go out anymore and so i knew i was very much getting to a point where and i'm running a business i'm running a sports event business and, and i'm a graphic designer and i had you know two kids school and stuff i had a lot going on it wasn't a point where i could be like can't turn into a hermit at this point I had to make a very clear choice um, and it was a really difficult time I was going through a lot of problems personally um, and so I really had to kind of go right you know you've got two very clear paths here you've got one that's very dark and it's probably not going to end well or you're going to have to properly try and stop and sort your life out which it took a, you know quite a few attempts but eventually I think it was like the day after boxing day one day I was just like that's me done and and it actually stuck that time Mm -hmm. and it's been it's the hardest thing I've ever done because it takes true commitment all the time I'm like nine ten years on now and it's my biggest achievement really because I think being brutally honest I probably would be dead if I'd have continued the way I was going mm -hmm. so yeah it's something I didn't I was really embarrassed about it for a long long time and then when I wrote my book I was like you know you need to be honest when you're writing an autobiography you can't sugarcoat it because people I wouldn't read a book like that so I had to that writing that chapter was horrible and I, I was it's it's painful but at the same time I had to be really honest about the struggles I've been through was it because um you felt like you were sharing it with the world or was it because you had to be honest with yourself yeah I mean I'm pretty I'm too honest with myself sometimes I think it was just the fact that I because I was able to hide it and also because I was, you know, brutal was sort of out there as well. I didn't want people thinking badly of me, I guess. And me sort of saying, you know, whilst I was setting up the event, I felt like, you know, to be to say to people, like I've, I was struggling then, you know, it wasn't like I stopped, I stopped drinking and then started brutal. It was, it overlapped massively. Mm -hmm. So it was, I don't know, I just felt a bit, but then the, the feedback I've had from people has been so positive um, that it was worth it, you know. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't know if you're familiar with um, any of my stories, but I come from a similar similar background myself. And I, I you know, I'm not going to pretend that I had it as maybe as, as bad as what you're saying, uh, Claire. But like, uh, I have, I, you know, I have my troubles with sort of alcohol and you know, yeah. a few recreational drugs and stuff. And it is it is that sort of slow burner, isn't it? It's mm -hmm. um, I, I know you're saying it's very hard to give up, and I I know it is because like especially smoking. Smoking is a great analogy. One mm -hmm. fag. Or one drink will not kill you. It yeah, really yeah. won't. Like you can do that. So yeah. to, to to not have that fag or have that drink yeah. is really hard because you know on their own it's harmless, but yeah. it's the accumulation yeah. over if time. I can just do like one, like you know, I often look to people and think, how can you just have one glass of wine or even two? It's like I have two glasses of wine and that's it. I'm gone. You know, yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, it's the bottle no. every time. Yeah, so you've, got, you've got to finish Absolutely. the bottle off, like. Yeah, you've got to finish exactly. the bottle off. But um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Jordan Peterson, a, a famous psychologist on the yeah. internet. But uh, he, he's got a quote, and uh, it's a fantastic quote. He said, "The question is not why do you do drugs. People should not ask people why are you doing drugs or why are you drinking alcohol. The question is why don't you? Because you know, let, let's be honest, they are fun, you know. <laughs> but like." Um, <laughs> But there's, but it comes with a lot of baggage and problems, and you know, health and relationships and stuff. And it's the you need 
like a responsibility, a reason to not do it that's yeah. bigger than yourself. And I believe, you know, what you maybe found in the challenges was a reason to not yeah. have that drink because yeah. you've got to get up at eight, eight six a.m. Yeah. and do a run or something. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think. I mean, I fully think that if you're an addictive person, if you've got addictive personality, there's no point thinking you're going to be able to give up one thing and not replace it with something else. And I think there's a lot of stigma like, oh, you've just replaced, you know, that addiction for another. Yeah, I fully have, and that's mm-hmm. fine. I had to do that because if I didn't do that, I'd still be doing the other thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, myself, I, I've I've always called myself a dopamine addict. I really <laughs> am. I am a dopamine addict, yeah. and. Uh, whether it's you know you know a lot of the times it was perhaps the the drink the smoking the the mm. junk food and stuff like that yeah, I used to, but yeah. I've I've replaced it now and like my my work ethics really I'm, you know I'm gonna blow my own trumpet here my work ethics really strong but it's because I'm chasing that dopamine addiction yeah. of achieving something and work yeah. and, uh, and the running and the challenges so yeah, the, yeah would you agree like you're, you're always, it's that dopamine 100%. yeah hundred uh, percent let let's move on to your challenges I want to talk about your challenges now. So what have I got here? Uh, I've got my questions. What do you get from them then? Like, wh- why do you do these challenges? I think, I mean, I, I, I see something and if I can't, the thing that makes me want to do it is if I don't think I can. So, and I think I just enjoy that sort of thinking, you know, I get the buzz from that. And then I'm like, so how, how am I going to do it? You know, so it's if you break it down to the Ironman, it's like, right, well, I can't swim very well. So I've got to learn to swim. I've got to properly then do the front crawl thing when that's quite hard. And then it's a bike and all that. And I, I quite like going through that. You know, I've kind of got that um, troubleshooting personality. And I like to be able to go through and sort things out. And, and it's just that sense of achievement that, you know, I can do this. Um, and, and also that it also just pulls you through like life and stuff. So when I did my first Ironman, I was literally getting divorced at the time where I'd split up with my husband in that same sort of six month period. Um, normal people might possibly put off the Ironman, but I was like, no, 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 I've got to stick stick with it. And it kind of, as much as I was definitely drinking and smoking at that point as well, <laughs> and coping with the stresses of having to break up with my husband. But it, you know, it kind of, it can get you through. I think these challenges can get you through all, all sorts of crazy stuff, you know. Yeah, I, I suppose the idle thumbs are the devil's playthings. Oh, sure. if, 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 <laughs> if you've got nothing to uh, put your attention on and taking yeah. your time, it, you, that's yeah. when you're going to go and look at the bad stuff. Yeah. Um, where, where did the this double decker come from? Why did you do the double decker? And Why? So, yeah, because like, I could. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose because it took you twenty-eight days, man. <laughs> like, that's that's a that's an extreme endurance yeah. challenge. Yeah. Uh, so what what was the what was the experience like? Where did the idea come from? What was the experience? Did it meet your expectations of what you were you were expecting to? I, it was face? a funny one because a lot of events like the decker and stuff was on my radar for a long time. And I, you know, I was sort of building up to that. The double decker hadn't really been, because there's not many people that run them for a start because as an organizer, it'd be a nightmare. People have said, you're going to do one in the UK. And I'm like, no, because it's phenomenally expensive and it's very, very difficult. And it, I say, no, 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 we won't. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but in Mexico, it was the thing that they could do. I think they, they're, bit easier over there with regulations and stuff like that so it was when this came up I was a bit like I hadn't committed fully to it at all and and I kind of know the race director and he's a chilled guy so I didn't have to enter really early or anything like that so I was very much like am I going to do it and I I wasn't really training very well 2019 was a horrendous year for me there was an awful lot of stuff going on personally and my business and and all that sort of stuff it was just you know when you have a year sometimes that everything goes wrong and it was just one of those and it just kept snowballing and it got to the point where and we'd run our own decker as well in in york and so we we were pretty tired anyway and i think i got to the end of september and i think one more thing happened i broke up with my boyfriend and it was just like that was it for me and i was like i'm going to mexico to do a double decker that i haven't trained for because I have to, because right now, I, I mean, I, you know, going through some sort of mental breakdown and I just thought the best thing for me would be to go to Mexico and focus all of this depression that I was, I was really at my, probably one of the darkest points that I'd ever been in my life. And it just seemed to make sense to me that I could go somewhere and just focus on ticking the miles off and just, that's all I needed to focus on. And every mile I got under my belt was an achievement. So, and it, 
it took 28 days to finish it, but also it took 28 days for me to get to a point where I felt like a human again, like I felt okay. And I finished mm. it, came home, different person. It's just a really extreme way to put yourself back together. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an extreme form of therapy, that's for sure, isn't it? Yeah, like, I don't recommend it like to everyone, but it, I mean, it did work a treat, to be fair. <laughs> I, I think it's like meditation, you know? I mean, if you boil meditation down to its essence, it's, it's um, clearing your mind and just focusing mm -hmm. on one thing. Yeah. And I suppose that's what you did. You cleared the decks yeah. and you just gave yourself this one thing to... Yeah. to focus you on can, you're going through a lot of pain and stuff like that and somehow it was just kind of I say cleansing but you know I was crying and laughing and it was just raw and all the people that you know we do these things with there's a small kind of pool of weirdos in the world and we all kind of meet together in random countries at some point and and you haven't seen them for years but you just everyone gets on still you know half of them don't even speak the same language as you but you can still connect and you connect on this kind of basic level of like, we're all suffering and we're either crying or we're laughing, or we're talking absolute nonsense or we're hallucinating. And it's, it's yeah, I don't know if I'm selling it, but. <laughs> no, definitely. I think, yeah, but yeah, the, the hallucinations, that's for sure. Like, uh, that, that's yeah, a funny yeah. thing. Like, but it's real, you're, you're right. This is this is real living. It's, it's real emotions, it's real experiences. You're not, it's not, you're not experiencing life through a screen. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know about, do you get those notifications on your phone, screen time? And it's like, yeah. you've, done, you've done six hours today. It's like, oh my God. Switch those off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to know. No. But I suppose that's what it is. You're, 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 you're tearing yourself away from this sort of... Uh... Yeah, because there was no phone signal as such there. There was a bit, but I mean, there was no like data like in Mexico, you don't want the price. So I couldn't have it. So it was like, okay, so there's no people having to text me and things like that. And it was just like real basic. So yeah. Could, yeah, it was it was a great kind of break. And it was just like going around a, a park in Mexico where there was goats and possums, which I've never seen before. And, and you know, and it's just like, and all these different people. And it was just like, yeah, a real incredible experience. I so, bet. But what's been your hardest challenge? Or, you know, hardest yeah, the biggest challenge. test? I think probably the juggle. Um, because I did that self-supported and it was just kind of brutal. And also I didn't really know what I was doing. Like we, we were saying about no sense of like geography and stuff. I got no sense of direction. I don't know where I am half the time, even when I'm just like local, I'm still lost. So that was challenging in itself. Um, and then just having to like sleep while wild camp um, for quite a lot of it, carrying all my own like kit, having punches all the time and just, yeah, there was a lot going on there. And then I have this, I get kind of a nerve pain with my feet and my back. And that was, so I basically could do about 40 miles a day, but those last 10 miles were excruciating. I'm not exaggerating. It's the pain that you can't really take anything for either. So it's just like, it's mental. So every day I'd get that as well. And then obviously the blisters and blah, blah, blah. So there was a lot going on with that one. So that was probably my hardest. Yeah. So what, what, what was the record you, you got on that in the end? It was a self-supported record. So even though it's like a fastest known time, it isn't very fast because it was like 23 days and something, eight hours or something, um, which isn't very fast. But... Is it running? Well, yeah. I mean, I was running not a huge amount. I, I, the, the first 10 miles of every day I'd run. And then it, the rest of it would be run, walk. And then the last 10 miles would be just crying. <laughs> <laughs> and walking and crying. <laughs> was there a turning point during this, uh, during that challenge where you were like, I've got this? Like, well, it's funny because I, I think I was, Scotland is really big. Again, I had no idea. So it was like, you know, but it's not, it's really mad. It took me so long. And I was just like, when I got through that, I was like, wow. And actually, it turns out that Scotland was the nicest and the quietest part of the whole journey. And what was then to come, which I didn't know, was just going to get worse and worse. But when I got out of Scotland, I think that's when my mum, she said, oh, well, I didn't think you were going to do it. I thought we were going to have to pick you up at some point. But, you know, you look like you might do it now. I was like, thanks, mum. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the encouragement. Yeah. But there was a point when I was sort of midway down the country and I was really struggling with the pain. And um, I was in a hotel that night. I was in a premier in which um, I love premier ends, a bit of a thing for them. And I was really, I was like, yes, get a bath and big bed and stuff like that. But I remember just saying to my best friend, and I was doing it for her mum who died of cancer. Um, 
and I remember just saying to her, uh, you know, I'm in a hell of a lot of pain. And she texted me and she sort of said, look, my mum wouldn't mind if you didn't finish, you know, please stop putting yourself through this. We don't, you don't need to do it. And I think it was that point that I was like, there was almost a moment where I was, hmm, maybe I could stop. And then it was like, absolutely not. And I think that from that point onwards, I was like, I got this. I'm going to finish this no matter what I have to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, did it come at just the right time? You, you know, what the challenge or that or that no, moment? That that moment, yeah. Yeah, I think so. It was one of those. Yeah, where I was just in a really, really dark place. But it just that sort of like thing, just sort of thinking about Susan and just thinking, actually, yeah, I'm going to do this. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what's been your sort of lowest moment then? Uh, the, 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 out of all the challenges, you you have pushed yourself to the the very limits. Yeah, I mean, the the tour was a particularly low. So the tour, so we run the Wanna, which is a, an ultra run, which is basically, it's the three marathons in three days, but it's condensed into 24 hours. So it goes from Charmouth to Studland. It's, it started off as 78 miles, but I think with the erosions and the changes with the routes, it's, it's grown and it keeps growing. So it's not 84 miles, but we can't extend the time. So people just have to run faster. Um, but it, with all the climb, it's a, a real beast of a challenge, just the Wanna. And then my business partner decided that he was going to try the tour. So Jim Page, after a couple of attempts of his own and failing that, he, he eventually did it. Um, and they did it in like 60 hours and something, which is good going. Um, and then it was, I kind of looked at it and thought I'd quite like to have a go at that, but I'm not, I'm not very fast running. And also I got struggles with my feet and the pain and stuff like that. But for some reason I decided I was going to do it but carrying all my own stuff on my back in like a Bergen thing. And I, I think it was because I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it competitively in terms of running. I just thought well, I'll add an extra layer of, you know, <laughs> toughness to it by carrying all my own stuff. Um, and I really struggled in that. And that took me, and it's when I was buying this place, actually. So I was in the middle of selling and buying, which was really stressful as well. And I had two attempts and I failed. And then on the third attempt, I was like, I'm just, I think the problem I was having is I wasn't being, I was continuing so long that my feet were just excruciating. But I thought if I do it like I did the joggle, wherefore I did 40 miles and then I had a proper break, then no matter how long it takes me, I can do it, I can finish it. But so the last time I attempt, I did it, it took me five days. And I think with it, I just knew I had to kind of get it done, but there was no joy in it. It was just agonizing and I just think I, I just I'd lost all the I was like a zombie and it's hard to explain but with the joggle there was a lot of you know highs and lows but with the tour by the time I got to the point of the third attempt I was so broken there was no like highs it was just low low <laughs> oh, so it just yeah. stripped you back just stripped Completely. everything and away I, knew I had to finish it because I was doing it for a guy who had motor neuron disease who's since passed away but you know he was in the background and I was like I have to finish it you know so it was yeah it was just one of those challenges that just had to get done and also because I was moving to Portland I just thought I cannot look out of my window and see those cliffs every bloody morning and not you know know that I haven't done it <laughs> yeah you've got to put it to bed and move on exactly so yeah and, and the last oh, I think three or four miles took me I don't know how many hours and I cried the whole time <laughs> my daughter was like mum <laughs> not so brutal <laughs> I, i've had a I did, I did a challenge um just at the end of covid i think 2020 uh, mm. it was 50 miles um ultra marathon but with the donation for every 50 pound i raised I, I increased the weight in my i put uh, a pound of weight in my bur oh my, my burger <laughs> um but just like you it, your stories reminded me of that is that when it came to the end i was mm. just i was done i like there was no smile i was no. just like Right, I'm going home now. Bye. Yeah, I felt so bad. There were so many people around me clapping yeah. and cheering, and I, I was in a foul yeah. mood. But there we are. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. What's been um, or how how do you motivate yourself then? Where uh, during these low moments, do, do you employ any sort of strategies, or are you, are you thinking about other people and the reasons why you do it? Like, how how do you motivate I, yourself I at those lowest moments? Yeah, I mean, I do think that if I'm doing it for. A, a charity or something that definitely helps um ultimately i think these days i just try and find the positives um it sounds a bit cheesy but it does really work whatever i'm doing wherever i am 
I just think, right, what's the what's the best thing that's happening right now? And it could be the view, it could just be that, you know, like on the job where people would give me biscuits and things like that, and I'll be quite happy. And, and just, you know, just little, I always, I think I do that in my day-to-day -day life, and it's just something I've learned over the last five or six years. No matter how hard things are, you can always find something unless it's really serious and horrible and that doesn't work then I've discovered but that's only a very occasionally um, but most of the time you can be like okay so this is really awful and this is rubbish and this is going wrong but what is going right what can I focus on that's positive and so I do that a lot in like the challenges and just day-to-day -day life yeah do you know what? I, I, it probably helps with like uh, gratitude I think we can become mm. so used to the the, the sort of modern civilized way of living where you know food so easy, is at the yeah. touch of a body it's everything yeah, so easy yeah. Yeah. and in these challenges you, you you take all that away yeah so then when is when someone is handing you a biscuit yeah it means like, the world yeah 100 percent. and that's yeah. why you just got to focus on what's good right now so i've done challenges where i've gone up done like the fan dance and things like that and it's just like it's horrendous it's like the middle of the night going out huge pack on don't know how i'm going to like cope with it and everything but you know what's the challenging what's the good thing about it oh, i've just over taken the blip but you know that's pretty good yeah well how, how much does that inspire you to, uh, when you're when you're running do, do you ever do you enjoy beating people no i'm not very competitive because most of the time i am at the back so it's it but having said that when when i did the double decker i did have a few goals in mind so the first one was um to do a, you know make a real good effort with the swim so that was 48 miles and it was in a pool and and i just wanted to make a really good effort because i wanted to impress uh, another race director who had then hopefully give me a place in the arch to arc event so which i did um and i actually i actually surprised myself and mostly everyone else because i think i was like second out of the water out of everybody which really? was weird I know, right? I'm still to this day, I like, don't know how that happened. Mainly it's because I'm quite organised and I didn't do any faffing. A lot of the other athletes were getting in and out and moaning and stuff. And I was just like, we're getting this done because it's like, it's disgusting. So I kind of cracked on with that and got that done. So that was like the first goal. And then the second, I think, was to podium. And it's to say to podium in an ultra race, isn't there's only like five girls yeah you know it's not like <laughs> hey take it take it i know exactly yeah people don't I have do. to know and yeah. I probably, yeah, i'm happy with that so that was i wanted to you know i just wanted to be third not fourth that's all because i wanted to be able to say to my kids you know and i managed just to do that um and then the other one was just to finish so it was like i had these three kind of goals and you know at one point it looked like i wouldn't even finish at some point when i was really injured and there was another point when it looked like i wouldn't be able to be, get third place so it, it's just having but still having those goals i've still got to finish still got that left you know yeah <laughs> yeah multiple I, goals and stuff like that is a really big thing for me i suppose that's the thing like th these are largely battles against yourself they really are yeah. but then you, yeah. you do get these sort of cherries on the top if yeah. you if you manage to actually well, beat all the other buggers I, I find that quite stressful <clears throat> i did the one a day quim which is just like five ironmen in a in a row um, in Switzerland one year and um, I realised at one point I was actually like second place and again there was only three girls in the race and one of the girl in the leap she's like a, an age grouper you could tell she was really good and I was never but I, when I realised I was second I was like I was disappointed I was like oh no because now I was like day two I'm now gonna have to race to keep that second place and it was so uncomfortable it was like there was moments where I hadn't eaten for hours because I was like Gah! And I was like running out of the pool, like half undressed. And I'm like, what's, what's happened to you? I don't do this shit. So I don't like that. I don't like the pressure. It's hard enough doing these events without having to like, I don't know how the pros and stuff do it. I mean, I, it's a horrible feeling, like looking behind you and thinking shit. Yeah, constantly, constantly. Oh, Imagine being at the it. front. Yeah. Oh. Imagine being at the front. Oh my like, God, yeah. the pressure. It's, no, it's not for me, no. <laughs> Can you, what, what's been your biggest lesson through challenges? Has it taught you anything? Has it taught you anything about yourself? Um, that I'm just really stubborn. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, the, the whole positivity thing is definitely, that's something I've had to learn. Because before, like, you know, 10 years back, if, I think if there was any slight kind of hint that I wouldn't be able to do it, I wouldn't make the cutoff very quickly I became negative and almost sort of give up before I needed to so you know that positivity and just you know breaking stuff down like that's another thing that I've learned which is probably the biggest lesson is just to 
always, always just break stuff down. So rather than thinking, I remember I was doing the Swiss Decker and the guy who was supporting me at one point told me how many miles I had left to do on the bike. And I just, I like lost it. I was like, why would you tell me that? He's like, you have like 900 miles left on the bike. I'm like, no, I don't. I have X amount of laps because in my head, it was laps. The minute he told me miles, real world, it just everything crumbled, you know? <laughs> so it's just like, how can you, if you look at the mileage on anything, when you're doing a big challenge, it just breaks, even like a marathon, it just breaks you. So don't just look at it as like, I think we was like, when I was trying to do a marathon with my friend, we were saying, why? Well, it's like, you've got like three more 10 Ks to do and then a five, you know, it was like nonsense talk, but it, it works, you know? hundred percent. And you, you can carry it through to real life. That's anything. I do all the time. So when you're overwhelmed with like, yeah, selling your house or doing up something like I did my kitchen a few years ago and it was just like, I am like the queen of lists you know, just like a list of things to do. And then it's just like, right, then break that list down to another list. And, and you can, it's amazing what you can get done by just breaking it down, you know, not overwhelming yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So where did brutal events come from? But like, what, how, how did that come about? That was kind of an accident. Most things seem to me, like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not like I was like walking around thinking, I wish I had an events company. You know, it's not, that totally didn't happen. I was, um, I, so I did the double Ironman which was like, I think 2009. And, and I did all right with that, but that was somewhere um, called Litchfield in Birmingham. And it was without being disrespectful to the people at Litchfield, it was really boring. It was just like, it was from a leisure center car park and we just, it was the most, yeah. So, uh, and I think, I think maybe six months later, I just was thinking, wonder, you know, wonder what it'd be like if you put on a double Ironman somewhere a bit more challenging and a bit more, you know, nice you know stunning and um I did the Snowdonia marathon and I'd never been to North Wales before so I was I was driving and I was just like absolutely blown away by the scenery and stuff like actually moved like you know to tears sort of thing and I was like wow and so I did the marathon and I was like stunned with how the fact that one minute it was sunshine and the next minute it was like huge like black clouds and like gales and then it would be sunshine again I'd be like this is mad I now obviously know it really well and that's normal completely normal but so it was from that point I think I went back after that marathon and it, it started kind of like you know I started thinking about it and as I was sort of out working and running or whatever and I'd be like mm. and then before you know it I decided to put on a double Ironman and, and well yeah it started off in different in a different place so eventually it sort of like moved to Canberra and just basically became what it is because initially it was just going to be a double Ironman, but I quickly sort of learned um, that there's not many people that want to do a double Ironman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You stick a mountain in the middle of it as well. Surprisingly not. <laughs> I know, so it's like I couldn't afford to actually run it just as a double Ironman, because that's what it was originally just. It was going to be like a 20 or so people in a little tiny corner of the car park. But um, I then thought I'd oh, put on a half and a full and, and that worked a treat. And then, it, yeah, the rest is sort of history, really. Well, that was the event I had my eyes on. That was the event. Yeah, I, I went to Tembe uh, this summer to watch the Ironman there, Wales, and um, it's. I don't. It, it did inspire me. It has inspired me. I, I do fancy doing it myself. But it's. Do you know what? It's. It's not necessarily um, the sort of the pushing my limits or the the competitiveness of it. I. I really just want to take on the location. I want to beat the terrain I, yeah. I don't know if that sort of resonates yeah, yeah. with you oh. that's what about your snow snowden uh brutal event sort of got yeah. me it's like i don't care about anyone else and i'm not certain i'm not necessarily don't care about pushing my limits mm. i want to i want to take on snowdonia oh, i want to experience it the weather i mean every single year now we have it's something crazy it's just and honestly and it's like again it's like the competitors like one side of the mountain it's like gales and rain and then they come around and it's, we're all like that's oh, fine yeah mate because <laughs> <laughs> it yeah isn't the the is the cycle track is right around yeah the whole the base yeah. of the mountain right yeah. so yeah they're gonna see all sides and all yeah. weather and yeah. uh it looks good i mean um i've decided this year for the rest of this year i'm sort of gonna start taking up the other disciplines because i've always been a yeah. sort of a runner yeah i'm gonna start getting on the bike i'm gonna start doing some open water swimming or i already have started all this stuff next year i'll book a spot for 
uh, a sprint triathlon mm-hmm. or something like that and then the mm-hmm. year after I'm going to be yeah. starting to look at some uh, bigger stuff so I might you might you might be finding me on the starting line uh or or, or in the St John's ambulance uh one of, <laughs> one, of, one of the others you'll see me there um what's been the most surprising thing about organizing the events that's uh what yeah what surprised you what what didn't you expect to maybe see or get from these um I mean the the community is that's been amazing like I'm quite introverted and you know before I just had my little group of friends and and that was that but now I've got this massive community of people that I've met through Brutal um and yeah it's huge and then the, every time someone kind of comes and does the event they join it and then the, it just grows and grows and I'm so surprised with that um and the crew as well you know it's more or less the same sort of crew right from the start and it's just having made these great friends and all these different connections all over the world. I love that. That's amazing. That really is. That, that blew me away because I didn't realise that was going to happen. For sure. Yeah, yeah, I bet. That, that's one of the best things about Rockman, which I found, is, is the, just the, the building the community and the people yeah. you meet and, and the yeah. stories they share and the experiences yeah. and stuff. It, it, it's that, 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 that really blows me away. And yeah. how your event or brand can touch them. Yeah. as well you know and that that's really powerful something you've created means so much to people it's life-changing yeah. to some people yeah. yeah I thought that was like when I was in 2019 year of doom and gloom I was really low just before we ran the event and I said to my friend at the time who did all my events Jim and, and I said to him I, I don't think I can go on anymore I just can't I just it's just too much um with all that, it's just not not just the actual events, but the running of the business and, and the finances and stuff. There's a lot that goes on, and um, and he said you can't stop. And I was just like, and I'd had a few business partners in the past, and they've never really worked out because it's not a big money making thing unless you're Iron Man, um, which I don't want to be. But at the same time, you can't have a business partner who wants to make money. <laughs> it's nice if you make some. But it's not, it can't be your driving force. It's got to be. So it's almost like having a business partner who understood that. And that came in the form of Jim. And he basically said, you know, I want to get involved. Um, You can't shut it down. You can't stop it. It's brutal, you know. Think of everyone else. Don't worry about you. (laughs) But he's now, you know, and that's really sort of helped me just, you know, giving me energy and, and just having that support of having, you know, someone else's life ruined. <laughs> <laughs> I joke about that, but he's just like, oh. but he's he's retiring. He's um, yeah, he's retiring next year, so he can actually yeah have a bit more because it's hard running this. I used to have like loads of other jobs as well, and it was right running the business at the same time. It's, it's quite challenging. So, um, but having his support, um, just having someone else to you know just say oh you know because we have issues with, with council and all that sort of stuff that it's quite serious so and there's a lot of pressure because people are training for a big event you know and it's you've got to get everything all the boxes ticked and stuff like that so yeah it's I'm much happier now I have um someone to help me for sure yeah <laughs> it, it sounds like you're doing it for the right reasons and I think that that's going to be a driving force for you um, it's going to make your events more authentic uh, and honest but also I think people can see through it if, if you were like a big multinational just trying to do a money grab mm. uh, they'd see through it and maybe that's sort of why they're committed. that's got an idea and we kind of had it in the past when people have sort of said oh with grassroots events and I've taken it a bit the wrong way if you like like taking it personally and I'm like how can we like how can we look bigger and be more like Iron Man but now actually I'm thinking I don't want to be like Iron Man Iron Man if you're over, if you're a minute over the cutoff, you're you're out. You know, unless it's the one because we have to be strict on that. You know, we we kind of are quite flexible with our cutoffs to a point. But you know, we want to see people finish. And if there's something that we can do to help you finish, we will. You know, if it's something strange that you need buying and we can get it for you, we'll we'll do that. And I think that's a lot of ultra endurance events that I go to are like that as well the race directors and the crew are in, like really invested in the athletes finishing and stuff you know quite being part of their journey in that so that's important oh absolutely Ironman for sure <laughs> yeah but I mean I, I'm guessing on race day you probably you almost know every single face on uh that's turning up to the line I'd imagine you and, can get a bit like that sometimes yeah <laughs> that, but the, like I, I never understand sort of why people would uh, 
I I do understand like you know like the Nikes and the Adidas's and stuff like that they just want your money man you're you're just a number to them and I get I guess people are drawn to them you want to do like an Iron Man and I get that I did myself you know yeah I think a lot of there are some people that will stay with Iron Man and they'll just continue to do them around the world and that's fine but if you want a different experience and a lot of people do and and you want a more personal experience um, especially if you're then building up to a double and beyond it's you know it's good to kind of come to us and yeah we'll make you suffer yeah oh yeah oh you'll make them suffer all right <laughs> so, what's, what's your what's your understanding of resilience then a mental resilience and so what what importance where, where do you put it in the hierarchy of importance when undertaking these challenges and or, or life i mean res- yeah being resilient is super important but it's it, what does that mean to you it's like resilience is a bit of a strange one isn't it, it can mean quite a lot of different things and I don't know. I mean, I, I just have a number of things, like I've said already, that I do to, to try and remain resilient in these situations. And it is, it's letting go of things that you can't control. I remember um, someone said to me years back when I was stressing about the event and, and I, the weather was bad for a change. And, uh, and, and they said to me, can you control the weather? And I was like, no. And they're like, right, then you don't what can you control and so that became part of you know me becoming more resilient less stressed about things that I couldn't control and concentrating on the things that I could and making sure they were like all squared away properly you know so it was it was a kind of a combination for me it's just like the staying positive um being able to kind of change stuff and, and not be freaked out by having to make decisions very quickly and go in a different direction so being able to be flexible um, and just yeah, staying positive and yeah. It's good. Some key words you said then is uh, flexible and, and positive, mm-hmm. um, and I, it's quite funny, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people will go, "Oh, I'm 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 not mentally resilient," and they see it as maybe a strength, you know, yeah, like a brain strong. with two yeah. biceps. Yeah. But it's like it's it's actually it's uh, it, what does it actually mean? Yeah, yeah it's a reframing. It like? It's mm-hmm. it's um it's the flexibility. It's it's not necessarily a strength. It's just a it's an, it's an attitude thing isn't it it's a being yeah. able to be if you're in a bad situation what can I change to make the situation better it's the old adapt and overcome it's there's a lot of that in my life and I think that's part of being resilient as well as being positive when things are negative that's another thing you know and letting go of things you can't control because you yeah anything about them you know you just gotta let them go and then focus on the things you can control so I think those three key areas are resilience if you like Oh, they are, they are absolutely the three sort of pillars of mm-hmm. resilience. And if you can do that, if you can find the positive yeah. in something, then you have resilience. It's, yeah. it's not this uh, bicep flexing strength yeah, at all, yeah. which, you know, yeah. I, and I believe everyone has this. It, I think everyone has the capability of doing yeah. it. It's perhaps maybe uh, just the, the awareness of the knowledge that they can do it, the yeah. knowledge that they can. Um, and how, how important do you... What, what importance do you place on fitness challenges in building resilience? Is that the best way? I think so yeah I mean I think it's like everybody can do them they can be you can change them to what you're you know you're happy with so you can go and do an Ironman but an Ironman might be way too much for somebody you know so what about a a 10 mile walk on the coast path which is pretty challenging you know how can you make it more challenging having some weight perhaps or doing it in the night you know I think you can do anything but you've got to push yourself so if you know you can do a 5K comfortably, then don't do another 5K comfortably, do something else. You know, I think that's the important thing. There doesn't have to be a double decker because that's stupid. <laughs> really stupid. Yeah. But, you know, what is it? And, and do you think, actually, there's a chance I might not be able to do this? Because I think that's key. If you think, oh, I can definitely do it, then you shouldn't be doing it, you know? You, shouldn't, you need to push yourself to the next thing. That's what's going to give you you know the, the, the room to sort of grow and change yeah that's, that's the key word there isn't it it's growth isn't it you're, you're not going to go nothing's going to happen if you stay comfortable no exactly in fact it will it, you, you'll go downwards that's yeah. what will happen yeah. you'll, exactly. you'll you stagnate from it. Yeah. yeah yeah and what, what would be your advice for anyone who's maybe thinking about taking the first steps to a challenge or or Just- something do it just get on with it because I think life is so like you just don't know what you're going to get we've had all the COVID stuff recently you just and you just got no idea what's going to happen so if you don't 
do things. I mean, I am like a big believer in just getting stuff done. I, do, I think what drives me is that I don't want to get to this place where I'm going to die or whatever. It sounds a bit gloomy, but and think, oh, I didn't do that. And I think right now, if I was to die, I'd be pretty happy. I haven't done the arch to arc yet. Got to do that. But that's it's bloody hard, actually. <laughs> Can I just say? But I'm trying to do it. So even if I was to like pop my cogs right now, you know, I, I'm really trying bloody hard to do it. But everything else, I've ticked a lot of boxes. And I think that's really important to not have too many, oh, I wish I'd done that or I haven't done that. Why haven't you done it? Try and do it, you know? I think that's really important. Yeah, especially if they if they don't do it and you say, well, why didn't you do it? But well, I just didn't. Well, that, that, there we are then, isn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, that's a rubbish excuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the worst excuse, yeah. So what, what does the future hold to Claire Smith? What, 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 what are we doing now? So we're doing the triple decker, right? We're not doing the triple decker. <laughs> no, there's not a triple decker on the, on the calendar right now, anywhere the, in the world. The first triple day decker in the world been, there has been one but as you can imagine them organizing that would be quite something um so i the arch to arc is 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 always going to be there until i actually you know and i was supposed to do it this year but i postponed it and uh, for a number of reasons um and it's just as i said it's really difficult for me i'm not a natural swimmer i struggle if you make a list of all the problems that you can have in swimming i've got them all so i feel the cold i have massive panic attacks in the sea I, i'm just not strongest you know i'm pretty skinny on the top there's a lot of there's a lot of hurdles but that's fine and i'm just i just need and i've made huge progress this year i'm super proud of myself because i'm now getting to see that i would literally walk down to before and go nope and just go back now i get into the water and i'm like it's kind of, I'd say fun, but it's, I'm so proud of myself when I get out and I've been chucked about all over the place and I've coped with it and I've made progress. So that's great, but it, I just didn't feel, and a few closest people around me didn't feel I'd made quite enough progress and the channel was incredibly difficult. I think when we said about, it's good to be naive sometimes, I almost wish I had the naivety that I know too much about the English channel, I think now. So I'm, I think maybe I'm freaking myself out. I kind of wish I didn't you know so it's the arch to arc next year um in august so it's pretty much full steam ahead on that if people want to follow you and your progress on that where where can they find you um, so yeah instagram is brutal claire my website's brutal claire uk. so yeah all of that stuff on there and if people want to sign up to one of your events where, where can where can they find all that brutal events uk. yep same with the facebook and everything so yeah simple thank you claire Love that. Yeah. I thought I thought it was a fantastic uh, episode. Yeah. So thanks thanks for joining us and sharing your uh, your stories. Cool. Thank you. Crack it. Bye. Bye. At Rockman, we provide the challenges, sportswear, content, and community to motivate you to push your body, strengthen your mind, and achieve your next level of health, fitness, and mental resilience. You can sign up and become a member of the team at rockman.co.uk.